Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm the man with the plan, your host, Tom Dommers. A chill is definitely in the air. The wind's blown all the leaves off the trees, and the nights are getting really, really short. Here in Minnesota, we're getting our first snowfall today. I was just upstairs. We're getting snow. It's been snowing all day. Oh, man. Winter is not only coming, winter is here. The garden season is officially over and it's time to prepare for winter. In this episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, I'm going to discuss how I will winterize the garden, the tools, and other gardening gear for winter. In case you're new to Small Scale Life, we are living simply by growing, exploring, and living healthily. To put it simply, we're focused on gardening, healthy living, and having adventures along the way. Before we begin, let's hear from some friends of Small Scale Life. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some exciting news for you today. Almost immediately after completing my interview with Michael Bell, I connected with a gentleman in Australia named Michael Hingsington. We connected through Instagram. He's a co-founder of AussieFlameWeeders.com, where they have an offer for you. Aussie Flame Weeders make stainless steel flame weeder manifolds. They are making manifold set available this month, and they expect to start shipping them all by the start of November. The manifold set will contain custom manifolds to suit 30-inch beds, five stainless steel German-made burners that can be removed to be clean, changed, or placed, LPG equipment to suit a standard propane bottle, and a flint lighter. To help promote this deal, Aussie Flame Weeders are offering all customers who purchase a custom manifold set the chance to win a cool bot. As you'll hear in my interview with Michael Bell, both tools are really a great way to kick off your urban farm or market garden and take it up a serious notch. For more information, please check out AussieFlameWeeders.com today. I will have a link in the show notes and tell Mick that you heard about his company from Small Scale Life. Hey, everybody, just wanted to remind you about the Small Scale Life Facebook group. This group will give you a backstage pass and access to other members of the Small Scale Life community. We'll discuss gardening, healthy lifestyle, frugal living, and having adventures along the way. This is also your chance to see what's coming up on Small Scale Life. See some content not shared on the blog and ask questions of future guests. Join Small Scale Life's Facebook group today. All right, we're back. Well, we've been having a gorgeous fall here in Minnesota. The temperatures have been perfect. The leaves on the trees have been fantastic. One comment on the leaves before we jump into the main topic. The progression of the fall colors seem to be a little um, sporadic this year. If there was a stand of trees, we would get one tree changing colors, then another. It wasn't like uh, the other years where they just seemed to all change at once. It was just different this year. I don't know if that's a function of the weather, all the rain we had early in the season, the cool summer. Not sure. Anyway, I think the um, I think the peak colors in the Twin Cities happen around October 15th. And I took a lot of pictures. A lot of them went up on Instagram and then went out to Twitter and Facebook. Maybe you saw them there. But uh, I'll try to get some things pulled together because I I really like fall. I love the colors. I love the change of the season. And uh, just trees changing color is just awesome. And I've got a lot of pictures. So I'm going to try to pull that together and have a separate post, you know, showing a bunch of trees and color and just some of the scenery I've seen as I've traveled around northern Wisconsin uh, southern Minnesota, western Minnesota. They've been to some interesting places over the past um, month and a half or so. 
we'll, we'll be looking for that uh, probably next week. In fact, this weekend, Jules and I will be traveling down the Mississippi. We'll you know find some good views and take some pictures, and hopefully the the snow will stop, and hopefully there are some trees left down that way. The winds have been blowing pretty hard. Um, you know, over the past week, so a lot of trees lost all their leaves, and and my yard just continues to fill up with more um, compost material. But we'll see what we'll see what we see when we head down down the river valley. Okay, enough of that. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, um, the local news media has just been sounding the alarms all week that we would be getting our first snow today on Friday the twenty seventh. And you know, usually the local forecasters are wrong. They're wrong about the size of these events. They're wrong about the timing of the events. They're wrong about pretty much everything. They like to whip up all this frenzy about the weather and. Uh, I have to say, this time, they were right. It started snowing last night, and it's snowing all through the day today. Even as I speak, it's still snowing. Granted, not not any of it is staying, not much of it is staying, and it won't stay for more than a day or so. The ground is just too warm yet. But I can positively, absolutely tell you that the 2017 garden season here in my yard (laughs) in Minnesota is officially over, the outdoor garden season anyway. So it's time to get ready for the inevitable. Winter is not only coming, it is here. So we have to get our stuff. We have to get our our poop in a group, as we like to say. We like to get, have to get our stuff in order and get, get everything put away and buttoned up before the permafrost happens and before it gets really cold and we have a lot of snow to deal with. So this podcast and corresponding post on smallscalelife.com are essential to-do lists, checklists for me and maybe for you and others as well. Uh, before we get accumulation of the white stuff and the ground turns into concrete. So once that ground freezes, it is definitely all all over here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, the upper Midwest. It really does turn into concrete. It turns into permafrost. And if you have any dead plants in the ground or any, any of your garden, um, any of the roots are in place, when it does turn to concrete... It'll be stuck there until the spring thaw. Trust me, it happened a couple years ago with the rain gutter grow systems I had. I just had the root balls uh, left in some of the containers and uh, everything froze up. I tried to get that stuff out of there and end up breaking a couple of the baskets that I was using. So once the permafrost sets in, you're not changing anything. So as I look at the state of my, the current state of my garden in the garden area, I've got a lot to do before all of that happens. As of last night, I hadn't pulled off any. Uh, I hadn't pulled off any of the tomatoes or peppers off the plants. I still had peppers and tomatoes and basil growing. I had sugar snap peas in the ground. I've got green beans in the ground, and um, you know, looking at the plants today, the basil is conti- was continuing to sprout new basil leaves. Uh, so more pesto is coming. All right, and there were buds on the tomato plants and the pepper plants. So even though we got our first frost on October 10th, right on time, exactly on the National Weather Service's average frost date, these plants were still growing. I've seen other garden beds around the Twin Cities. Their gardens looked um, like frost had done their worst. Uh, But for some reason, I don't know if it's the layout of this between the two houses, if it's getting some extra heat from the two houses. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but frost really hadn't killed off the tomato plants, pepper plants, 
basil plants, it had done in the compost melon plants, but uh, I hadn't got anything out of those. But that's, you know, that's more detail than you probably want to know. So anyway, let's get down to what needs to be done. Let's get down to those checklist items. Let's get let's get talking about what we need to do to winterize our gardens. So number one, and uh, I'll have a separate uh, document, almost like a checklist for you. I'll break this all down in a checklist and that you can download and uh, you can use for yourself. I think I think it would be kind of helpful. So I'll use it. I don't know. Even if you don't like it, I'll use it. And that's that's good enough for me. So let's talk about these seven different steps. here. Okay, so number one is harvest the remaining vegetables and herbs. Um, You know, we work really hard to grow these plants and in some cases starting them in February and babying them all the way through until now. So you should reap the rewards. Pick everything. Don't let it don't let the frost snow and freeze. Um, take that hard work away from you. So, you know, get out there, pick what you can. Um, you know, if you can't, if you don't want to eat it, you know, just put it in the compost, give it away. But, uh, you know, you've worked hard for that. So you should reap the benefits. You should reap the rewards. So get out there and, and pick whatever you got left. Um, you know, I still, like I said, I still had tomatoes and peppers and everything on the vine. I was looking at the forecast as, and I was out in the field as the front moved in and the, and the temperatures just started to go down. I look at, looking at the forecast, everything was going to plummet. The temperature temperatures were going to get down into the twenties. So when I got home last night, I was out there in the backyard or in the side yard with my flashlight on my phone with a bucket in one hand and and trying to trying to harvest tomatoes and peppers by flashlight it was really kind of comical if you watched it and it wasn't too sexy it was just me out there in the rain and snowflakes trying to harvest this stuff and it was really kind of funny when i dumped the whole container you know i i leaned over to grab a pepper and all the tomatoes dumped out and it was just a mess i even squashed a couple under my foot but it worked i was out there at night i got it done and now i've got a good good little harvest of tomatoes and, and peppers you can see that in the uh the pictures now i have to figure out what to do with green peppers or uh, a pile of green tomatoes before they go bad so i know i can right try to ripen them off put them in putting them in a brown paper bag with an apple and let uh let them ripen that way or maybe somebody has a great idea for what to do with green tomatoes so if you have a great idea great recipe shoot me a link send me a link and uh, we'll try it out. We'll try it out and let you know how that turns out. Uh, number two, re- remove plants from the garden. It's time to get them out. I know it's hard. It's hard to say goodbye to our friends. I know I've got, uh, uh, if you watch the video here I shot a day or two ago, uh, you'll see that the cherry tomatoes actually did pretty well. Uh, they got pretty tall, and uh, it's going to be sad to see them go. Um, the other thing you'll see in the video is there is some blight on some of the tomato plants. So the key is if any of your plants, especially the tomatoes, have signs of blight, you know, the little black spots and all that kind of stuff, remove the plants and dispose of them. Do not compost those plants. If they have blight, you don't want to add them to your compost bin because that will infect the compost pile and it'll affect your compost and when you come back next spring and dump that compost on your bed you'll be affecting infecting the soil that's in your bed so get that stuff out of there get rid of the plants with the blight if there's no signs of blight hey throw those plants in the compost pile but just don't 
don't keep that problem going. Don't throw um, plants that are loaded with spores and, and different viruses into your, your bed. I mean, I know they say that if you get your compost bed hot enough, you can kill off that bacteria, those viruses, and, and kill off any blight. But do you really want to chance it? Get rid of that stuff. You just don't need it. All right. There you go. So number three. It's time to remove the trellis strings and tomato cages. So I need to unwrap and untie the trellis string from around the plants and uh, and the conduit. Um, you know, if you have any of the trellis string wrapped around, you know, plants with blight, dispose of the string. You just don't want to infect next year's crop, next year's plants with that blight. So get rid of those. I mean... You know, baling twine that I use is cheap. I have a massive roll of it. Just get rid of that stuff. If you need string, let me know. I've got two big bales of it. I've got a lot of string. Let me know. Connect with me on the contact us page. We'll figure something out. Um, you know, I always coil up the strings and use twisty ties to keep everything organized. So I my strings are, I have different si- different heights. Actually, they're all the same this year. So I'll coil everything up that I'm keeping and I'll use twisty ties to keep that all, um, to keep them all together. Uh, really what you're trying to avoid here is the Christmas vacation-like snarl of strings in the spring. It's just... Ugh. It doesn't help if you're if you're not organized, if you don't take the time to do it, you're just going to have a big snarl and end up throwing everything away and, and cursing along the way. So organization does go a long way and it does help, especially in the spring. So just take the time to do it right. And uh, also remove any tomato cages. And I say throw the damn things away. I am serious. I still do not like tomato cages. I just don't like them. I like my trellises. I say throw them away. I know everybody's. That likes trell- uh, the cages are are saying uh, don't do that, but uh, that's just my opinion. Throw them away. You don't need it. We're cage free around here, right? Cage free. That's for me. So number four, prepare your beds for the spring. So if it was earlier in the fall, and I was doing this like a month ago or so, I would recommend planting um, any overwintered crops such as garlic, onions, and carrots. Put those in the ground. Um, these plants, they do really well. They'll start growing in the fall and the warm sun and the fading fall sun or warm soil and the fading fall sun. And they'll start growing and be there, uh, start to pop up in the spring, uh, when it thaws in the spring. And, uh, for me as a gardener, it is pretty cool. It's kind of magical about seeing those green onion shoots start popping up after a long, hard winter. It's really cool. I've got some pictures from, um, I think two years ago, back at my garden in St. Louis Park, and it was pretty cool to walk out there one day, and it's like, oh, look, there's onions growing in the gorilla garden bed. That's awesome. It's gives you hope for the new season. This year, I'm not planting anything. Uh, I'm not planting any overwintered crops. I'm not planting anything. I, uh, I'm just, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to make some changes to the garden beds. For next spring and we'll get into that in a future podcast but I've got big plans there's going to be some big changes to these garden beds so um, at this point this time of the year with snow coming down uh, you know it's tough to, to recommend planting anything if you have some garlic bulbs you might throw them in but uh, it's getting pretty late for that another option you might have if again if it was earlier in the season 
you could plant a cover crop. And it's a great way for that to add nutrients to your soil naturally. I guess I'm doing that. I purposely planted sugar snap peas and bush beans because, um, one, we like both those vegetables. We would eat those. And two, they do add nitrogen and other nutrients to the soil naturally. So that's why the farmers will, the big farmers that are uh, planting corn, they have a cycle where they'll plant corn and then they'll change it out and plant beans. And that'll regenerate the soil because corn does take a lot of nutrients to grow. You know, do the same here. I I was planting the sugar snap peas kind of strategically and the green beans where I had space, but I was adding nitrogen and other nutrients to the soil naturally. So there are a couple resources if you are interested in learning more about cover crops. Old World Garden Farms, they're a favorite site of mine. They've wrote a couple articles on on the subject, so check those out and uh, you can see what they think about garden cover crops. And uh, they've done it pretty effectively here for the past couple of years. So um, the third point here is to mulch your beds. I've got a video and you'll see some pictures here. We have a ton of leaves here in Minneapolis. These trees just keep dropping them. I had a ton of trees, big maple trees in St. Louis Park where I came, uh, where we lived for the past five years. And I Every year, what I do is I use the push mower, a leaf catcher on the back or a, a grass clipping catcher on the back, and I catch, I, I shred up the leaves, catch them in the back, and then I um, and then I add it to the soil. I just drop them right on the beds. Of course, you know you've already moved removed the plants, so you're not going to hurt anything. You're just adding a layer of leaves to your beds, and the snow and ice over time over the winter it compresses all of those leaves down. And when you come out in the spring, you have this nice layer of of wet, decomposing leaves. And I just work it right back into the soil. They break down. The leaves break down fairly quickly. It just adds to your soil. It adds some nice, rich, uh, rich uh, organic material to the soil. And you'll notice the earthworms and the nightcrawlers will just love it. And they'll come right into your bed. And uh, they just love having those leaves and adding that organic material to your beds. Number five, winterize and store hoses and, and rain barrels. So, yeah, this is the first year I've had a rain barrel to play with, and I've really liked it. It's uh, It's been great to use. Uh, you need to empty, I need to empty that rain barrel before it freezes. You have to remember that water expands about 9% when it freezes. And have you ever put a container like a water bottle in the freezer to get it really cold and you've left it in there? You'll notice that um, the lid will crack off and the, the bottle might even crack depending on the material. But it'll um, it'll break because the container, it just can't handle that 10%, 9% uh, volume expansion. So you think about your rain barrels. You've got this thing. It's full of water, it freezes, and that water is going to expand. You'll, you could crack open your rain barrel. So you want, to, uh, you want to empty that out. At the same time, think about it, that water weighs about 8.3 pounds per gallon. So if you have a 40-gallon water, water uh, rain barrel out there, it can be over 330 pounds. I'm pretty, I'm a decent sized guy, but I can't, uh, I can't move 330 pounds real easy. It's just, that's going to be a big problem. So you'll want to empty that rain barrel out and, uh, and get it done before moving it. And you want to get it done before it freezes. That's pretty key. If you look at where my rain barrel is 
Uh, I do have a regular downspout that goes in place of the rain barrel. We want to keep that water away from the foundation. So once I remove the rain barrel, I'm going to replace that downspout. I'm going to keep that water away from the foundation. I don't want any water to get in the basement. It'll just make a wet and moldy mess. So it's a quick and easy project. Just need to set up a, about a half an hour to get a, get that all done and just change out a couple screws. So easy Easy cheesy project, but it has to get done. So like the rain barrel, it's also time to drain all the hoses and drain the outside hose connection, the connection from um, your house to the to where the hoses are. Remember that water expands by 9% when it freezes, a little, uh, a little less than 9% when it freezes. So if you have water freezing in your hoses, it can also freeze inside your house and... On really cold days, that water is going to expand. It's going to break pipes, and you just don't want to have that happen in the middle of the winter. It would create a disaster inside your house. So take the time, disconnect the hoses, drain them out. That'll help your hoses have a nice long life. Uh, Drain that connection from the spigot inside your house. A lot of times you turn the nozzle, make sure the water's off. There's also another... um, valve inside the house turn that off and then there's usually a little uh, trap where you can open that up and drain the water out and uh, we're not talking about a big amount of water but it's just enough that if it froze and broke that pipe it would be a massive mess so spending a little time now little time a few minutes you can save thousands of dollars and a lot of headaches later so just get that done so number six is cleaning and sterilizing tools and containers So you want to clean up everything, clean up your tools, clean up your containers, clean up your seedling trays, clean up everything. I want, you know, with any kind of blights happening in your garden from downy mildew to the uh, septoria to anything, you just want to make sure that everything gets a real good, gets cleaned really well. So I'm going to clean and sterilize all my tools and containers Um, I don't want anything next year to come in contact with this year's blight. So you can use Lysol. You can use a solution of 90% water to 10% bleach. Um, You know, if you are cleaning up your your metal tools, make sure you dry it after after you clean it. You just don't want anything to corrode, and bleach will corrode that metal. So, you you know, you just want to get everything cleaned up and, and dry the metal pieces off. So seven is organizing and storing the container soil and materials. Uh, if you watch the video that I shot a couple days ago, you can see my little pile of junk, <laughs> my little pile of stuff. I've got bins, I've got some soil, I've got peat moss, I've got some things hanging about, um, conduit and some other parts from the uh, former garden down in St. Louis Park. So I just kind of left them by the side of the garden bench, but uh, I have to admit that that stack of stuff over by the bench doesn't look the greatest. So just for aesthetic purposes, getting it out of the way. Also, when I'm going to be shoveling the walkway, that stuff is all going to be in my way. And uh, I need to get those materials uh, into the garage and out of the way. So I need to set aside some time to move it all and then find an area to store them. So that is another project that will create another project. And that other project is it'll kick off a garden organization and storage project in the garage as well. Yeah, it ha- it happens. It's kind of funny how one project leads to another bigger or some other projects. 
So number eight is kind of a bonus. Yeah, there's two bonuses here. So I'll give you two bonuses. Um, the first bonus is covering chairs and tables. We have some wood patio furniture, such as a, uh, a wooden swing and then two Adirondack chairs. We're going to cover those up with tarps. You know, weather just beats the hell out of wood. It, the sun, the rain, the snow and ice, it's just really hard on wood furniture. And we found that covering that stuff to keep the snow and ice off, it just, it helps preserve those wood pieces. Uh, they mean a lot to us. Julie's uncle made the swing and Julie's dad made the uh, the chairs. We want to keep them around for a while. We'll put a tarp over them and put them out of the way. You know, Jules has talked about spray painting the Adirondack chairs before the snow hits. Well, it's snowing today and uh, I don't know if we're going to get that done before the real big snow happens. So number nine is another bonus and that is... Uh, draining and storing the lawn lawn equipment so if you have a lawnmower if you have a a weed whacker a gas-powered weed whacker and a blower um, you know drain all that stuff when you use it last just drain it all out run it you know run them out you don't want to uh, to leave oil you don't want to leave gas in there old gas over the winter season, it just isn't good for the equipment. Like I said, I just run that stuff until it's all out of gas and you just know that it's empty then. Um, you know, old gas and old spark plugs are typically the reasons why you're having trouble with your lawn equipment in the spring and why it won't start. So uh, start out right by just running all that old gas out of it and then and then putting it away. So yeah, there's a lot going on. There's going to be a lot of little projects. It's going to be like a full day. Of just uh, just taking the time and getting busy for and getting ready for winter, and uh, we're going to be busy over the next few days, right? These are pretty easy projects, really easy, really quick. Um, you know, take your time; it is worth getting organized and ready for winter. You'll find that being organized and having clean tools and containers will will help you when it comes time to start seedlings and gearing up for next year you'll have everything set you'll have every, you'll know where everything is you'll be organized your your lines won't be in a snarl your your containers will be clean and you can just start to plant next season is right around the corner think about it in uh, in february we'll be planting some tomatoes we'll be planting peppers so if you take the time now you'll be set up and you'll be you'll be set up for success for 2018 all right. I really wanted to just talk about those those few items and get set for the winter season. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Small Scale Life Podcast. You know, what you can do to help us is to uh, to share. Share this podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating. Share the podcast with others. Maybe there's somebody who could really use this and maybe give them a little... Uh, Give them a little push to get them organized for the new year. So share this post, share the podcast, maybe share the video. Maybe somebody will get moving before before the real big snow hits the ground. Um, you know, somebody just might need a little inspiration to help getting organized. So help them out. It's only a matter of time before the real big snow starts flying. It's already starting to come down and winter is coming. So now is the time to get ready for and set up for the next year. So if you have any comments on the show, any suggestions, any other ideas to help, you know, make our checklist better, feel free to leave them on a, on the contact us page or a comment under this blog post, reach out, engage, become part of the small scale life family in this, in the Facebook group. And uh, thank you again for tuning in. Remember to, to grow, explore and be healthy. This is Tom from the small scale life podcast. We'll see you really soon. <laughs>